Hello, my name's Tom Walker. Welcome to That'll Be The Day. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking to a visually impaired man who's just been appointed as the chief executive of a local blind society. But before we hear from Mark Upton, here's a musical plug. If you like the music at the start of this podcast, it's a track called That'll Be The Day by the Liverpool band The Vow. And as always, at the end of these podcasts, I'll be featuring a track by the band and to find out which one it is... Stay tuned. Now, when I heard that Mark had taken up the role of Chief Executive of the Oxfordshire Association for the Blind, I was keen to have a chat with him. So many issues to discuss. So few senior blind and partially sighted people in the VI sector. And hopefully, on the other end of this Zoom call now is Mark Upton. Mark, how are you doing? Hello, Tom. Yeah, I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm not so bad, thank you. Yes, how's the lockdown been for you? Yeah, been a uh, been a bit bit mad really. Uh, we we actually had a baby during lockdown, so um, it's been been pretty busy for us. Um, <laughs> In addition to that major life changing event, of course, you became the chief executive of the Oxford Association for the Blind as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's been been a quite a full on year. Um, you know, ever since lockdown, we found out we were, you know, expecting a baby, and then we we've had the baby, and then come earlier on this year i was sort of um appointed as as chief executive at at oxfordshire association for the blind so uh oab so it's been yeah a lot has happened before Um, we talk about oab oxford association for the blind tell me a little bit about yourself mark um i was born born with a visual impairment and that affected me in various different ways. But growing up with a visual impairment, you, you don't have anything to compare to. So I kind of didn't really know that much about it until people were pointing it out at school and, and I had extra sort of assistance. And um, so with my site then, they were enlarging everything and uh, writing stuff down from the board. And I had these big old video magnifiers sat in the corner of the classroom. I remember them well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, which couldn't be moved. Um, mm. And and. So and it was all black and white. So that was um, that was how, how my school kind of went, and yeah, employment was really hard. So uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do growing up. So it, you know, I sort of fell into different things. You mentioned um, um, you mentioned school there, Mark. Did you mm-hmm. go to a mainstream school? I did. Yeah. So uh, both primary and secondary were mainstream. And yeah, so I had support throughout. I had learning support assistance, as they were called then, and a Q- QTVI, a qualified teacher for the visually impaired, was supporting me. And because I'd never been to a specialist school, again, I couldn't really compare it. I've met a lot of people who have, and, and I think there are pros and cons each each way, really. Um, you anticipated what I was going to ask you, actually, was uh, what <laughs> your feelings are. I mean, I went to special school. Okay, yeah. And maybe that's the subject for another podcast, I think. Definitely. It'd be interesting to hear the different views. I mean, you know, I found it fine in mainstream but I didn't go on to further education and I think I probably would have in a specialist school. So where um, did work take you then? You didn't go to further education, as you just said. So tell me about your career, the kinds of jobs that you've done. Yeah, so <laughs> all sorts of stuff, really. In fact, uh, uh, so started off really trying to work in retail. So I did a couple of part-time jobs as a, as a youngster uh, in some shops. So um, I did Argos which was fun, a Christmas temp. I once worked in a DIY store, which, had, which probably 
very inappropriate place for me but uh, and it was a small independent one so um you know the, 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 i don't think there was much risk assessment then and then i sort of struggled so i was like, unemployed for quite a while didn't really know what i wanted to do didn't really seek support but then didn't know what support was out there so i think there probably was but i didn't know what what there was in terms of help to, to get employment and then I ended up working for um, House of Fraser, which is the department store down in, in Chichester in West Sussex. So I worked there for a year. And, and actually, the reason I got that job was because somebody I knew was a manager uh, within the store and, and they saw potential in me as my sort of character and looked beyond uh, my disability, which was, I think, where it really that started. And that really had an impact on me that somebody took a chance and created an opportunity for me before that I had very little self-confidence very little self-worth I didn't really know kind of what I wanted to do I had no sort of clue as to what direction or what I could do in my mind I was thinking all the things I couldn't do uh, but but actually you know that that wasn't helpful at all and so I, I did. I worked there for a year, thinking, "Oh, this is it now. I'll be working in, in retail." And and that was just when the financial crash happened in in two thousand and eight. Oh, yeah. So so actually, I was quite lucky just to get in. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then and then they were making people redundant. And, and actually, I, thankfully, I, I survived through that. But but my feeling was, I don't want to do this forever. What what do I want to do? Um, and then I found a job came up totally by chance. I was looking on a, a website of um, another local society, so at Foresight down in West Sussex. And that's an uh, organisation that provides services to blind and partially Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so they were they were called the West Sussex Association for the Blind and they changed their name to Foresight a number of years ago. And I knew of them growing up as a child and I knew of their services. I don't even remember why I was looking at their website. I have no clue. But I, I discovered the... Uh, job application on there for at the time it was called an assistant um contact officer uh and i applied for it thinking there's no way they're going to employ me you know i have no experience in this no experience in the charity sector no experience in, in providing services for visually impaired people or anything like that and anyway they, they gave me the job um at, you know and i was absolutely amazed and uh, really, that's you know, I started to grow, to learn, to develop my own skills, learn as much as I could, and that was really where I kind of um, developed my sort of uh, skills, I suppose, in leadership and in um, and you know, working in the charity sector and working with people. And I love it; I absolutely love working with people. And in if the funny thing is, uh, growing up visually impaired you soon realize you don't actually know anything about visual impairment other than your own experience. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about sighted guiding. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have a, didn't have a clue. I hadn't really met many other visually impaired people. So in a sense, it was, it was a, a fantastic job, but also it really helped me personally with my own understanding of, of, of my own visual impairment and, I and how fully, I dealt with it. I can fully uh, concur with that because uh, you know when I worked at Henshaw's about 20 years ago now, I actually learned quite a lot of things about visual impairment that I just mm. simply didn't know. So I can fully understand and empathise with the things you're saying. Before I talk about your current job, mm. just wanted to ask you about working in retail because mm. um, I've got a small amount of useful vision mm. and I 
cannot imagine working in even a small corner shop. Um, so what was it like for you? I mean, just very briefly, what were the challenges and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so um, <laughs> funny thing is I went for the job not even thinking about that and then suddenly realised, oh no, uh, how are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> and it, at, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to the attitudes of, of those who employ you and those you work with and your own as well. Um, but I, and I, I have usable vision, um, so I can enlarge things. Um, I can make things bigger, you know, use magnification. And at that point, I could, I could sort of magnify things quite well and, and read them a lot more easily than I can now necessarily. Um, but I used a uh, had an access to work assessment, and I used so we had a till system, which was t- touch screen, very old fashioned for 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 touch screen you know there was no way you could put in software on that to make it bigger mm-hmm. so what we did we we used a um one of these portable um it's not portable it's, it's a video magnifier that you plug into a laptop oh i've seen so, yeah so you propped propped the, the laptop behind the till uh so the laptop was sort of standing up so the screen was facing me and the camera was in front of the till yeah. pointing at the till <laughs> so and i used to get lots of people go oh why are you filming me <laughs> and um and it was um it was really interesting, you know, and it was it was problem solving, and that's what we have to do, don't we? When we get yeah. a job, we have to come up with creative ways to do things. And I guess you knew where products were in the store as well. Um, so if somebody asked you, you know, I don't know, whatever it might be, you, could, yeah. you knew exactly where it would be until, of course, they they change the, uh, <laughs> they the layout. Change the layout. Oh, that yeah. did happen, and that used to frustrate me because there's the the store, in, in, and this is so problematic with a lot of shops just as a customer they love changing the layouts and bringing in new branding and 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 you because you, you learn the layout and you learn where things are say in the stock room uh, yeah and in the shop floor and um but but then like you say as soon as new stock comes in it's it's totally changed over i'll just tell you this story mark yeah. I, I go in a pub in liverpool very famous pub called ye crack and many years ago, um, the, the landlord, a guy called Det, who was a German chap, said to me, Tom, have you ever thought of working behind the bar in here? And I said, Det, I think that could be fraught with difficulties. <laughs> and his response was, my life is already fraught with difficulties. <laughs> Whatever you bring to this pub couldn't make it any more difficult. But anyway, I, I turned his kind offer down. I, I, I thought the idea of me trying to serve people quickly Last yeah, I can understand that. And um, actually, a good friend of mine used to uh, manage a pub as, as a visually impaired person, and um, and it, you know, <laughs> huge challenges. I can imagine. Uh, you I know, I, I mean, I find it hard pouring myself a drink, let alone doing it with tw- you know twenty people waiting for you and uh, At last orders, all drunk, all expecting. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So your current job, then you've you've literally just started, have you? Yeah, so I've been at Oxfordshire um, for about seven years now. So I moved up from West Sussex to to to, um, uh, to start a role within within the, the organisation as a services manager. So managing the the day to day running of the um, client services. Um, so all things from our sort of information and advice, tech technology training, counselling, um, befriending, all those kind of usual um, suspects. So I was sort of managing those, managing the staff and the volunteers. And then the opportunity came up quite recently. So sadly, our, our 
current uh, or my predecessor had to um, step down due to uh, because of ill health and the opportunity came up a lot quicker than I thought it would so in my mind I was thinking oh maybe I would do this you know sort of step up as CEO in five years or so give me a bit of time and the, the opportunity came up and I thought you know, there's no time like the present. Go for it. And so they did the, the trustees appointed me. Officially, I started on the 1st of April, so April Fool's Day. And it's interesting because obviously being visually impaired and being in the role has created a, a bit of um, obviously attraction and, and interest. And, and I feel like saying to people, you know, maybe you should come back in, in five, 10 years to see how good I actually am. Um, but, how surprised you know, were you as a visually impaired person that you were offered the job? Because you know, I don't think it's any secret that mm. there are still many organisations in the VI sector that have fully sighted CEOs, fully sighted senior managers. Um, now, I've not done the maths on all of this, but I imagine you are very much in a minority as a visually impaired CEO, even in the VI sector. So how, yeah. how surprised were you? Well, not surprised at this point, just knowing the organisation and, and knowing where I am. If we went back personally in my own career and you've told me at the beginning of this journey that I would be you know stepping up to CEO I would have you know fallen over with laughter um but I, I am um actually you know this will this will make you laugh I funnily when I first started when I've applied for the job at at Foresight in West Sussex, I was under the assumption in my total ignorance that everybody working in this organisation was visually impaired. I just thought it was a kind of done thing. And and I was one of two at the time in that organisation who were visually impaired. Um, so I was shocked to see the low amount of visually impaired people in the sector at the time. I mean, it has got better. Um, do you think the sector needs to do an awful lot more to encourage visually impaired people to work within the organisations. Organisations spend a lot of time telling employers, oh, you need to employ more visually impaired people. Um, do you think, if nothing else, for legitimacy reasons, they should be, actually be doing that themselves? Oh, definitely. I mean, so there's creating opportunities within the organisation, but, you know, and also ensuring that opportunities are out there in their local communities as well, you know, because it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea working in a, a site loss organisation, um, you know, and and not everybody's skills. But but if we're not doing it, like you say, how can we suggest that other organisations should be? What needs um, to be done to improve that? How do you think? Um, well, I think I, that can be changed. Yeah, I think um, I think st starting with leadership, you know, things start at the top don't they in these things and i think starting with leadership is really important and having leaders like myself who are visually impaired in in a lot of these organizations so going back to your previous point i think it, i could be wrong here but i know of two other visually impaired ceos in the in local societies one chap up in uh scotland uh graham who's been oh, with uh, ness yeah. who's been doing it for a number of years so <laughs> in fact i spoke to him recently and it's mm. um really impressive and a couple of others in, in the sort of london area 
And then you've got, I think, a couple of other organisations which do, but but maybe with more of a niche, so more of a focus on children. I think Look UK, I think, I, I believe that they're... Charlotte, yeah, right. Charlotte, yeah, I believe she's visually impaired. Anna, um, Phil Alison. Long in, Phil, Phil Long was in Liverpool, in Liverpool at Bradbury Fields. Ah, uh, yes, Bradbury Fields, yes. So there's 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 a handful. It's probably below 10. But certainly, I don't think any of the nas- national charities do. And I think they don't even have a high proportion of employment rate for visually impaired people. I could be wrong. I think it varies for different organisations, but, you know, I think that's important as well. And going back to your your actual question, I think we need to create those opportunities. So one thing that we're going to do as an organisation, which we've never done before, is to create an apprenticeship scheme for young, well, say young, it doesn't have to be young, but for visually impaired people to actually have that chance to, fail really and learn and and grow you know if if you don't get the opportunities to in a safe environment which i hope we could be to to learn how to adapt your skills and how to grow and how how a workplace might work the the one thing Mm. i was going to mention there you said um, be allowed to fail i i think we as visually impaired people when we do find ourselves in employment are actually held to higher standards mm. um than, than than our fully sighted counterparts i don't know what your thoughts would be on that yeah and i feel like you're constantly having to justify you being there it, it feels like you do have to work harder and my probably for my whole career or my whole time and i've always felt i need to do as much as possible because redundancy could be be around the corner you never know and if I know as much as I can and if I have to you know I do certainly feel like I have to prove myself you've mentioned the apprenticeship scheme that you're mm. hoping to set up what other plans do you have um, for the Oxfordshire Association I know you're very new but um, I guess you've uh, you probably uh, wowed hopefully wowed the trustees with that <laughs> so, uh, so perhaps you can wow us with your idea yeah well I could uh bring yeah and, and then my feet will come to the ground so um, it's uh, you know it, the reality is it's 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 tough out there for charities you know particularly post-covid there's a lot of challenges ahead financially and you know resources and we all know that demand is going up visual impairment um isn't you know isn't going away um so we're we, we've got a lot of work ahead but there's certainly you know there's key areas as an organization we, we need to tackle one is is technology which is is a huge digital divide which is the buzz phrase but the fact that a lot of visually impaired people aren't online aren't using technology um and are missing out uh you know we've had instances recently where they've been left out of people have been left out of things because they're not online and that is a huge challenge because as you know it's not just about getting online it's not a necessarily a financial issue or a resource issue it's it's the barrier of learning to use the technology for starters so learning the screen reader or the screen magnification or adaptations and then you've got the barrier of what if if the websites are accessible so it's going to be a hard hard you know it's a long road ahead but we need to tackle that you know we can't have people left behind now i don't know oxfordshire terribly well although i have been there quite a few times over the years Ah, it's a fairly rural county you've got twenty three thousand visually impaired people potentially to provide services to mm-hmm. how are you going to get to them and how how do you arrange for them to meet socially 
Yeah, so that's an interesting one because we've 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 got a centre in Oxford, and it's a really good resource centre. Like a lot of these across the country, you know, we've got a lot of equipment in and things. But 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 if you can't get to it, it it's useless. So mm. you know that is a real challenge. Uh, we do utilise local transport schemes, but you're right. We an, another one of my areas which I need to tackle is being out there and engaging in the community. There are two elements of it. I think that there's one of us providing specific activities and services so particularly down the the sports and well-being I think there's some specific areas we can do locally for people but also for us it's about engaging people in their community so not just having just a social group for VI people but ensuring that they can connect with whatever is happening locally whatever that might be so if there's a walking group well actually we need to connect with that walking group you know somebody wants to go on a ramble well actually then you know can we help them with sighted guiding technique and get getting that person engaged uh, and involved with that that group rather than us providing a specific group because it's sometimes hard to get those numbers but it's also important you know like i said at the beginning i've learned so much from other visually impaired people and the social aspect of just meeting other visually impaired people you know getting to know how they cope how they adapt you know what what they do and then just having a laugh at ourselves really is <laughs> really important and it's really you know part of that journey and that process um in in sort of dealing with your visual impairment and particularly for those who are newly diagnosed as well you know you, you often think you're alone and you're the only person out there and you know i want to ensure that anybody in oxfordshire doesn't feel like that's the case however old however young that they have an organization like ourselves people to talk to and people to to share with and share their anxieties and i hope that you know the fact that we we do have visually impaired staff and i hope we have more and i hope we have more visually impaired volunteers and that 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 can be an example to that life doesn't end when you lose your vision in fact for some people it begins uh, and for some people you know you you wouldn't swap it for the world you know it, it's created new opportunities and you know a new life for people so you know yeah. definitely it, connecting is important if my rudimentary maths haven't let me down too much um, oab isn't far off its 150th anniversary what do you think the challenges are for the organization in the next five or ten years um, mark what, what do you think you'll need to tackle I think it's really important that we are sustainable as an organisation, that whatever we do and whatever we do that is new, that I need to, to know and I need to share that, that that we can carry this on. And what we see in, in a lot of organisations like ourselves is that kind of boom and bust mentality. Services come and go because funding comes and goes. Um, and that we've seen that nationally a lot we see it locally a lot and I, and it's not healthy for the organization i don't think it looks great from the outside for for our clients and our supporters so i want to ensure that we build and it might be a slower process but we need to build that strength um, we need to build our team up well so for me it's about building the team and ensuring the team of staff volunteers and etc uh, are, are happy and and um, you know well trained well looked after and that we use that as a foundation I mean <laughs> although we are coming up you know we're 145 years old uh, this year I think it is or next year so it, it's a um, you know we have a lot of history 
um, of providing services and providing support. Um, and I want that to carry on. You know, site loss will always be around, I believe. Uh, and we, we're going to, you know, need local organisations who provide that on the doorstep service, you know, the community service. Mark, what advice would you give to visually impaired people who may aspire to being a CEO at a local VI organisation, but who may just want employment? What would you say to them? I think you've got to start with with what you want to do and and why you want to do it. And and, I mean, obviously, jobs pay the bills. So working for me is about doing what I'm passionate about and um, what I love doing. And whether you end up doing that as, a, as an employment or as vo- a voluntary role, I think it's pursuing that those passions and pursuing those goals and really having to push for it. And that's one of the hard things. You do have to push yourself forward and push yourself into the right situations. Grab those opportunities when they come to you. If somebody offers you something, take it and run with it and really work hard at it to prove yourself That was Mark Upton from the Oxfordshire Association for the Blind, and I'd like to thank Mark for his time. I hope you found what Mark had to say as interesting as I did. Okay, then, hands up. I'm guilty as charged. When it comes to selecting music, this has got to be the most tenuous connection I've ever made. If all that talk of employment has got you dreaming of what might be, how about For a Dreamer by The Vow? Newspaper made your success Your face is a peach and your life It's a mess, that's the story Rags to glory And people believe what they say You signed on a line Then you learned how to play It was easy And people believe anything You're top of the pops and you can't even sing It's so easy It can't be that easy Oh man, that's too easy Brought to your knees by tabloid sleaze They're laughing at you Kels the breeze, their stinking lies were true. You'll find no place in the real world for a dreamer. There's no safe place in the real world.